Moncrief on News Talk. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again to bring us some stories from outside Ireland. Afternoon, John. Sean, how are you going? Uh, uh, right. Uh, the uh, first, uh, funny enough, I was watching Channel Four News last night, and the, the big story about the people who starve themselves to death that you that were we telling, covered last week. Yeah, you, yeah. you told us about last week. So uh, I think we're a week ahead uh, of the world's international Absolutely. media. So well done. Uh, right, India. We're going to go to first, and uh, uh, sixty-nine people have been acquitted. Yes, this goes all the way back to the riots that happened in Gujarat in February of 2002. I don't know if you remember them. Basically, what happened was a group of Hindu, um, a group of Hindus were on a train. Um, they were traveling and their train was attacked. Uh, I don't think the perpetrators were ever caught, but rumours soon took off straight away that it was a bunch of Muslims who had done it, okay? Mm. And therefore, um, angry mobs went around and started attacking Muslim neighbourhoods, right? And it triggered a wave of, uh, of of riots, communal riots that took place for the guts of a week to 10 days and about a thousand people died, all right? At least that's the official number. And we think that there was a lot more and the majority of those were Muslims. So there's been an awful lot of cases that have come from that. And uh, you might remember, indeed, that Narendra Modi was the chief minister of this particular state at the mm-hmm. time. And he was implicated. He was since cleared. But um, if you've ever looked... It was an implication. It, he kind of sat in his hands. Yeah, while and, and in fact, encouraged the police not yeah. to do anything, which they duly did, uh, as in they didn't give any protection to the Muslims. And in some cases, they may well have been active in, in, in going around and beating them up or killing them. But anyway, there's been a number of cases that have come from that. And this is the latest one where an Indian court has acquitted 69 Hindus of the murder of 11 Muslims during those communal riots in that particular state in 2002. Um, it's amazing to think that it's only the decision has only been made 21 years later and that's how slow the system moves. I mean the case didn't actually start until 8 years after the riots so in 2010 and then it took 13 years for all of these uh, for for, for all of this case to, to finally pass and then they got acquitted. There was 182 prosecution witnesses involved and at the beginning of the trial there was in fact 86 people who were in the dock but 17 of those have died uh, <sighs> since it actually started Gosh. and the other 69 have been acquitted. Yeah. And on what basis were they acquitted? Yeah, that's the, that's the great question and I have to be honest I have not been able to find an answer for you unfortunately, right? Mm. So the only thing I can tell you is that the defence said that the people who were in the dock weren't there at the time and that the 182 witnesses that's why they're quite important that number's important were all wrong. Uh, the prosecution has said that it's going to take the ruling away it's going to have a look at it and it's going to launch an appeal to a higher court. That's all I can tell you about the judgment. Yeah. I haven't heard anything or seen anything uh, as to why they were acquitted. Uh, presumably there wasn't enough evidence to hang them on. Now this, given that the um, trial itself took 13 years uh, the idea that it's going to go to an appeal and be done quickly is just, uh, it's just not going to happen at all. It's going to take years before this actually comes to a conclusion. Uh, given the allegations against Narendra Modi and the police in Gujarat um, this particular judgment then I imagine is not 
going down particularly well, at least in parts of India. I, I, I don't think it is. But what's interesting about this, because immediately when you look for something like this, you're looking for riots, Gujarat, and it hasn't brought anything up. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen much of a violent response to this mm. by the minority group. And they are very much a minority. I mean, it's about 10% Muslim living in that part of the world. And they're in fear of their lives because, I mean, this particular state is run by the BJP. You know, Narendra Modi is not a nice individual, right, to be honest with you. He's, he's, he's not a particularly pleasant man. Um, and there has been an awful lot of, uh, you know, the obstructing of justice and the intimidating of Muslim victims and families and the like. And given that a good few people were released at the end of last year, they were they were um, in a, a life, they had a life sentence or were supposed to be serving a life sentence, but they got paroled after 14 years and there was uproar over that as well. So yeah. I don't think they're in a position to protest too much. Right, Kurdistan we're going to go to next and a bit of a dispute with Russia. It's not it's not importing its its dairy products Yeah, anymore. R- Russia has decided that it's going to stop the importation of its dairy products and it's interesting the timing of this because it came two days after Kyrgyzstan's National Commission for the State Language and Language Policies said that their country was ready to start working on switching the Kyrgyz language from the Cyrillic alphabet to the Latin-based alphabet, all right? A move that Ooh, many right. of the stands and many of the Jans in that part of the world, the ex-Soviet states, have done over the years, right? So Kyrgyzstan is the latest. So uh, while there's not a direct link between them, it is quite ironic that that announcement was made on the 19th and then two days later, the agriculture products watchdog in Russia called Rosal Koznadzor uh suddenly found that there was an inefficiencies and various different uh, problems with the uh, dairy uh, system or the uh, agriculture system in Kyrgyzstan and it wasn't going to bring in its uh, goods anymore. Yeah, are there many Russian speakers in Kyrgyzstan? I don't know. I'm sure there is uh, yeah. because, I mean, wasn't that the policy That's during the, policy the Soviet Union to, 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 yes. to, to move them in? So I'm sure there is quite, I'm sure there's a few, all right. Uh, I'm sure there's a good few, in fact. Uh, but this is a move, as I said, that Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan and Azerbaijan have all made to move away from this alphabet to the Latin based one. It's 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 a sign of nationalism, sign of mm-hmm. derussification, if you like. Uh, yeah, but especially at the moment yes. to do that is yeah. uh, perhaps quite pointed. Uh, the Comoros we're going to go to next and uh, the uh, France is being urged to uh, to stop a repatriation operation. Why? Yeah. Yes, the Comoros, uh, which is a group of islands near Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. And originally when this was ruled by France, there were four islands here, okay? And um, in 1970, 75, three of them voted for independence and one of them, a place called Mayotte, decided to stay with France. Okay, It was a French overseas territory and later in 2011 it became an actual French department. So part of France just as Bordeaux or wherever else might be, right? So that's significant because it meant that they, of course, benefit from all the support and social welfare and free medical care and that kind of thing, Mm. which resulted in lots of people moving from Comoros to Mayotte, okay? okay. So the population (laughs) of Mayotte is about 300,000, but half of those are from Comoros and many of them are undocumented. This is causing a problem uh, because there has been an uptick in the last 10 or 12 years of violence in the country and most of the people who are or were originally resident on Mayotte put that down to these people from Comoros who are coming over, who are very poor and who are freeloading. It's same old story all across the world. And so the French have decided that they're going to move them back to Comoros. Um, they started last week and uh, the island and the government of Comoros are not happy about it at all 
to the extent that they are refusing to allow boats with these, their own citizens, to dock in the ports of Comoros. So it's a real problem, a big, big problem. And I'm surprised it's not bigger news. I think it could be. Yeah. When when, when they declared independence of France, was it a popular vote or, or, or what yeah, was the it, context it, it, of that? It was a popular vote, but the island of Mayotte, uh, they, had an, they had an out clause in it, basically, mm. that transpired over the next two years. So I don't think they actually uh, went with France until 1976. And in fact... And by the way, it predominant it was like a ninety percent to ten percent that they may have wanted to stay with France. Yeah, various different reasons for that. But Comoros have always claimed that Mayotte is part of their territory, and that's the interesting thing about this because they're saying you're moving our citizens from their own land. So that's how they're spinning it. It's very <laughs> right. clever by, okay. the, by the government of Comoros. So uh, I think I think realistically what Comoros are doing is they're holding out for more money. They got some development aid a couple of years ago, about mm. 150 million. And they're saying, if you're bringing all these violent ruffians back to our islands, you're going to have to give us more money for, uh, for housing and that kind of thing. Right, OK. Uh, Mexico, and uh, they've sold their government jet. They have, finally. Uh, this is something that President Manuel Obrador has been going on about for a number of years. And in fact, before he was elected, um, he used to criticise his predecessors for his indulgence, their indulgences, OK? And this particular plane was obviously a, a great symbol of that. So it was originally bought for $218 million, OK? Whoa. He was hoping to sell it for $150 million, but it's been bought for $92 million. Any guesses as to who might have bought it? No. Is it one of our stand countries? It is friends? one of our stands. It is Emma Mali Ramon, and he's well suited to this. He's been in power since uh, 1994. We haven't spoken about him for a while, mm. uh, but he likes his presidential uh, indulgences, shall we say, to use that word again. Uh, and so he should get quite a good bit of use out of it. But for Oberdar, it's a big win. He's able to turn around and say, I'm a proper socialist. Uh, I'm selling this plane, symbol of, you know, the former regime, and I'm going to build two hospitals out of it. Clever move by him. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And this is, is this is a super luxurious plane. Oh, it? absolutely! It's got marble finishes and all sorts of different things. Oh, There's photos of it you can see online, so it's, okay. uh, it's quite nice. That's my favourite kind of uh, plane finish. Uh, right, uh, the, uh, the uh, in Egypt we're going to go to now. <laughs> this is a row over. What Cleopatra's skin colour was? Is that correct? It is. It's causing a bit of a stir. So this is a Netflix docudrama, they're calling it. And it's part of a series called African Queens, which has actually been produced by Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay. Will Smith's yeah. uh, wife or former wife, or they're still married, aren't they? I think they are yeah. now. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah. that's another thing altogether. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, she, is, they launched the publicity around this, the posters and all that kind of thing. It's not coming out until May 10th. But when the posters were launched, there was uproar uh, about the appearance of the actress, uh, a British woman uh, known as Adele James, who's mixed race. Uh, and people aren't happy about the fact that she's too, she's too black looking for them, apparently. Um, there's been petitions and all sorts of things that's been signed by 40,000 students. They're supposed to be quite enlightened people. They don't want it to be shown. And a lawyer has actually taken a case, filed a complaint with the public prosecutor demanding that he take the necessary legal measures against the African Queen uh, series because it violated Egypt's media laws. I don't know what laws exactly, but some laws. And he said, and he's accused Netflix of trying to promote Afrocentric thinking, which includes slogans and writing, aims at distorting and erasing the Egyptian identity. 
Okay, that's a, that's a mouthful there. Cleopatra was Egyptian then. Is that beyond doubt? I think, wasn't her father sort of, they were Greek background and we don't know where her mother was from. So right. there's always been this idea that, well, I, I think certainly in Egypt and maybe from a Eurocentric point of view, mm. that she was a little bit whiter than darker, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But as uh, Jada Pinkett Smith pointed out, her heritage is highly debated, but there's other Egyptologists and archaeologists who say it's not. She was white. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, Elizabeth Taylor was Cleopatra back in the day. She and was. She, and actually, she's like unbelievably white. She is yeah, very white. And, yeah. But that actually caused a bit of controversy as well, mm. because she had switched to uh, Judaism to marry Eddie Fisher. Uh, <laughs> apparently. So that caused <laughs> yeah. controversy. And a number of years ago, an Israeli actress, a woman by the name of Gal Gadot, she was mm. supposed to appear in a film. Uh, about three years ago, but obviously because she was Israeli, they didn't like that either. So it's it's very hard to yeah. cast. Uh, it's, and it's hard to see what they can actually do about this, really. They can't shut down Netflix. They can well, maybe ban it in Egypt. Well, that's what they're hoping to do in Egypt. I mean, as long as it doesn't, you know, go out in Egypt, I doubt they'd be worried about what the rest of the world is looking at. Yeah, thus guaranteeing it ma- a massive audience. Absolutely. Just, just yeah. to have a bit of a gawk <laughs> at it. Right, so what should we uh, look out for the next week or so, Jonathan? Yeah, Wednesday, Washington, D.C., uh, the South <laughs> Korean president is going to meet Joe Biden in Washington. Kate and William are celebrating 12 years married on Saturday, would you believe? And then on Sunday, uh, we have elections in Paraguay, which seem quite soon. I must have a look into that, actually. Yeah, OK, good stuff. Thanks, Thanks Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan DeBurker, uh, uh, Butler there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.